Oh yeah, welcome back everybody. This is Phantom Power. This is the Phantom Power Artist Hour. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a value cast. You guys remember what a value cast is? It's better than a podcast because you, the listener, are using a modern podcasting 2.0 app like Podverse, Fountain, CurioCaster, TrueFans, etc. And if you like what you hear, in the spirit of value for value, you are sending Satoshis to the artists who you want to support. And if you like this show, I would love to have your support. Send me some Satoshis. Seriously, value for value. If you guys like this show, I would greatly appreciate it. So on the Phantom Power Artist Hour, we review musicians and bands who are in the Bitcoin space, artists who have put their music up and are getting paid in Bitcoin and Satoshis. And today we are going to be talking with Brandon Welch. Brandon is the lead singer and guitar player for just a kick-ass stoner rock grunge band from North Carolina. The name of the band is Iro. And we have a great conversation about touring, about uh, how you feel as a musician when you stop touring. Uh, we talk about gear. We talk about PV amps. We talk about terrible load-ins. Like if you're a musician, this is a good show for you. And even and if you're not a musician, I hope you hope you learn a little bit uh, about what it's like to be out on the road and tracking songs and all that kind of fun stuff. Really enjoyed this conversation with Brandon. Um, we're going to start off the show with uh, one of. My favorite songs of theirs, uh, it's called The Fever, and this is off of uh, an EP, a conceptual EP that they put out. Um, the EP is called They Ride, but let's let's start off with a song called The Fever, and then we will bring Brandon on for the call. Cool? Here we go.
Hey. Hey, man. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good, brother. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you for, thanks for asking. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I absolutely, absolutely love your stuff. Um, and thrilled that you guys are, uh, in the value verse and, uh, and putting your songs up there on Wave Lake and getting some Bitcoin, I think it's I think it's fantastic, man. I'm 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 just blown away by the by the production and the riffs and and the songs and everything. So uh, thanks, thank you. dude. You yeah. got a sweet room right there, man. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah. Got a got a couple of guitars sitting. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's too bad I'm not gonna use that. I'm not gonna use the video for the uh, for the interview. But yeah, I got a. Let's see. It's a Gretsch Taylor Breedlove Breedlove. Alvarez, Strat, National, and then my uh, Fender is on my bass is all the way in the back. Now got... that, that that Gresh is that a is that a White Falcon or? You see it? Yeah, that thing is sweet, man. It's actually my daughter's. Yeah, <laughs> that thing is sweet. My my, my old band, far less. Uh, the last record we recorded, we, uh, we used a very similar looking Gresh uh, for for some of the recording yeah these things are so sweet oh man yeah i love it she loves it too and it sounds great sounds great through a through a vox man it's just, is that a ac30 ac15 it's a 15 yeah, yeah it's a 15 like i just i didn't um you know i i am in no way like i'm a i'm a decent rhythm player but um like I am not a fucking Nashville chicken picker, <laughs> dude. Right? Dude, like I, I, I can. So it's like with the Iro stuff. You know, I, uh, with the EP, like I wrote all the songs. Yeah. But I, I'm a riff and rhythm guy. Like, yeah. I, I, I had to bring Billy in if if there were going to be any leads, like at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just not. Yeah. That's just not me as a player. You're talking about Billy Steele, right? Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, I, you know, I'm probably just going to use the audio from right from the very beginning. So we're going to, we're going to jump right in. This is a fan of power artist hour. I'm really excited to have Brandon Welch on uh, the line from Iro. Uh, now you go, where are you guys? You're in like Asheville, Virginia, North so Carolina. I, where, where I'm in Winston-Salem. I'm in Winston-Salem, okay. North Carolina. And all, all the other dudes are in Virginia where I'm originally from. Uh, okay. So, I mean, they're like an hour or 15 minutes from here, you know? Okay. Um, but the, well, the band on the EP, it's it's me and Billy, who's in Virginia. Uh, Ray, who's in Portland, was the drummer on the EP. And my friend Steve Martin uh, lives in Florida. He played bass on the EP. Ah. So it, it's it, it's it's wild. Like when I started working on the when I first it's like 2020, and I was like I hadn't played in a band in a few years. And kind of got this idea for an EP during the pandemic because, you know, just something kind of from my perspective of just seeing how everybody was kind of losing their minds and stuff. And, and I was like, oh, what if, what if I took this idea and kind of turned it into like a weird, like sci-fi story? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, started working on the songs, um, started kind of hashing them out with, uh, this this guy Joey who lives across the street, um, he, who's a drummer. And once I had about three songs done, I was like, man, I gotta get a lead player in on this, you know. Yeah. And, 
and Billy was Billy was like the first person on my mind because I've been wanting to work with him for a few years and he can sing really well and he's a great guitar player. Brought him in and then you know we got to working it out and then when it came time to record, uh, you know my buddy across the street was on tour because he's a sound guy for like some big like country acts. Okay. And. I was cool. on the phone with my buddy Rayland. Ray was the drummer in my old band from like back in the day. Far Less, uh, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he was the original drummer for Far Less. He was on, he was in the band for like six, seven years or something like that. Okay. Uh, and he was like, man, like, I really like what you guys are doing. I'll fly out there and track drums. And I was like, okay. Because Ray is one of my favorite drummers on the planet, like, period. He's, he's just a phenomenal dude. Uh, and that and so you know and asked my buddy steve because steve martin in florida he played bass in this band hand to hand that far less used to tour with and we kind of always wanted to do something together you know what i mean and so i'm I, it, it all came together in like the most perfect way possible like all the right dudes you know like it just lined up but then once it was done i was like man i kind of like i don't want to go sing these songs like how am i going to do that with you in florida and you in portland so billy was like hey the rhythm section from my his other band was like they'd love to join so that's so now wow. like we've got a live band and uh we've recorded a couple songs with the with the live band now that we'll probably release in a couple months or so so is that your vocals on on these songs or, or on um they ride and exile and fever is that you yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I do like the lead vocals, and and Billy handles a lot of the harmonies and stuff. Okay. Why do I know Steve Steve Martin? I mean, I know we're talking about the bass player, not the banjo player. But like, what what part of what? what notice I didn't say comedian. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what part of Florida is he in? He's in Orlando. Why do I know that name? Uh, I don't he, know. He, uh, I mean, he was in a band called Hand to Hand that was like yeah. uh, like a hardcore band. Okay. We used to play shows with a lot back in the day. Um, but I, I think I, I can't think of another band that you know you would recognize him from. Huh. Okay. Well tell me, um uh, so you, you got guys coming in from all over all over the eastern seaboard track and stuff. You guys are probably bouncing files back and forth to each other in like Pro Tools, right? Well man, uh well with Steve, yeah. What's funny though is after about getting three songs done and with Joey across the street being too busy, Billy and I were literally, we had like fin. I was writing the songs with no drummer. And, I, and I'd go over to Billy's house and I'd be like, hey man, I got the song. Like it needs some leads and stuff. And he has this, this pedal. It's like a drum buddy or something like that. It, it's, it's like the most basic, like, you know. Huh. So we were writing songs with that when Ray when Ray flew out we had 2 days before we went to the studio and we literally hashed all those songs out right here in the house in 2 days before we went to the studio. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. And that's just, and cool. that's just the testimony to just how how good Rayland is. Yeah. I mean the, the dude he had a notepad, you know, right next to his drum kit. Yeah, we we worked through the song. He'd make notes. The next time we played the song, it would be like perfect. Like, uh, love love dudes like that. Like, oh, me too. <laughs> me you know, too, I mean, just to be able to walk into a session or walk into a gig with somebody, and you know, I mean, over here in Nashville, it's so much like 
you know, based on number system and, you know, and, and somebody, you know, like what I hear a lot, you're like, what, you know, I've never played this song. What is it? And like the bass player, piano player goes 1465 on the intro. It's about 80 BPM. Uh, think of Dottie West. And you're like, okay. <laughs> you know, and, they well, see, it. and you're and, like, what the hell, man? And I have to surround myself with people like that because I'm not good like that. Like I, I've played music my whole life, but it's like I cheated, if that makes sense. Like I taught myself how to play guitar, taught myself how to sing, but I did it without actually learning anything. Like I, I you know what I mean? Like yeah, I know the I know the chords I'm playing and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, when when it comes to like the Nashville stuff, man, I would be so lost. I would be so well, lost. Okay, so that's a good segue. Let's go all the way back to because one of the things I love to ask people when they when I get them on the Phantom Power Artist Hour is like, tell me about your first song. Like, I, I don't care if it's if if it was like about the girl on the playground or like your dog or like, and I'm sure it was bad, no offense, because everybody's first song sucked, right? Like, tell me about your first song. What what got you into this? The first, well, like the first song I ever wrote? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, okay, I, I started a band when I was in seventh grade. Nice. Uh, was like my first band because uh, I mean, dude, I've been obsessed with music my entire life. Yeah, um, you know, my mom was like a huge REM fan, so like I was just listening to that constantly at home. You know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, love the Smashing Pumpkins and stuff. But I started, we started a band in seventh grade. Basically, we wanted to be like the Smashing Pumpkins or Nirvana or something like that. And mm -hmm. I think the first song we wrote was like it. It, it wasn't about anything. You know what I mean? It was like, I think it was called like How Now Brown Cow or something like that. Nice. You, you know what I mean? It was just yeah. like a goofy 12 year olds, like. Probably all bad. on your, and the riff was probably all on your E string. It, dude, it was just like, burr, 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 on, on, on. I like, you're, you, you got it. You nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was bad. But, but I mean, it, it was the beginning of like the rest of my life, basically, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So seventh grade. And, and where was that there in, in, in Winston-Salem? That was in Pulaski, Virginia. Okay. In Virginia. All right. Mm. So you are, you're an East Coaster right on. Okay. Yep. So uh, the, you started in seventh grade, you start playing more and more and you were on, then how, how did that take you into far less? Cause you were on the road with far less for like the better part of 10 years, right? Long time. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'd started this at, right after high school. I joined this band. Um, okay, so Jamie King, who produced, they they ride. Uh, well, he he yeah. he mixed and mastered it. He did half of the production, half like the drums we did with my buddy Mark. Yeah, but um, I, I joined this like rap metal band. Okay, and like just like a couple months before Ooh. they were going to record their first record uh, with Jamie, and we go in to record with Jamie and unbeknownst to me he pulls all the other guys aside and is like hey you need to get rid of the rapper and you need to start like a rock band with that singer that you brought in which was me because i was doing clean vocals and stuff and the other guy was like rapping it was like a two yeah. vocalist thing that was really popular at the time in like 90 well yeah that's kind of like i mean um lincoln park or Inc exactly. maybe a little bit of incubus a little bit yeah and th okay. this was like 2000 you know, oh, yeah. So I mean, it was like that yeah, emo. era. Yeah, a little bit of emo. A little bit. Yeah, of emo. it was totally okay. that era. New metal, all that stuff. And so we did. We started a band, and our first show 
or our, our, our first or second show was with far less okay which uh had just kind of started now when that uh when that band uh we were called purity uh, we were together for like a year we split up jordan from far less hit me up because he he was writing all the songs and he was singing them but he had a buddy playing guitar jordan is a phenomenal guitar player by the way um and songwriter uh, and singer uh, but he wanted to step back to guitar and apparently all the guys in far less were like we want that dude that was in purity to come like be our singer now okay so far less invited me to come you know be in the band i, I think we, we probably did like the local circuit and like some diy tours for like a couple years before silent uproar records picked us up then tooth and nail picked us up and from from there, I mean, it was just crazy. You know, we we did a ton of tours. MTV did like a "You Hear It First" about us. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I remember. I mean, I was I was in I, I was on the East Coast during that time, um, and I remember hearing about you guys. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I'm I and that so I'm really curious as to your experience with dealing with a label versus how you know how you got into. Um, value for value in bitcoin and you know and, and the monetary flows and things like that we can we can get the, a little bit more into that a little bit more into the interview but keep going i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no no you're fine uh so you know far less close to 10 years and it's my man you know it's funny my daughter was asking me about that this morning like I, you know i told her i was going to do this interview and she was like when your band broke up, you know, were you guys angry at each other? She's eight, you know, so she's just like, were you guys angry at each yeah. other? And I was just yeah. like, no, like, we had hit this point where people, like, members were coming in and out of the band. Like, it, nobody loved us. Nobody hated us. It, it was real stagnant, you know? Oh, yeah. I the know. label didn't want to support us really anymore. And yeah. it was just, it just felt like, you know what? Like nobody likes it and nobody hates it. There's just like, let's just stop. It's just, it, it had run its course. It sounds like you guys had just kind of run, run the course. I mean, that's, it's, it's really what it felt like, but you know, what's nuts is the stuff we were writing at that point was probably some of the best stuff we'd ever written. Yeah. And, and we were starting to incorporate some electronic elements. So it was kind of like radio headish like stuff that we, we were starting to write um yeah. but we just couldn't get like we just couldn't get the ball rolling again you know what i mean it's like we were on like our third wind at that point you know what i mean and, and yeah. just couldn't make it happen yeah no i've been there i was out with my band for a couple of years out of la and we're just you know you're you're just busting humps uh you oh know, i mean we, some nights you're playing to 500 some nights you're playing to nobody yeah and, and and it had got to that point where we weren't even like for, for several years we were doing these tours where we were in a van following buses right so it's like <laughs> while everybody got to, all these yeah. other bands got to sleep all night we were driving 14 hours from like uh <clears throat> to seattle from uh I don't know where I, I can't remember. Yeah, well, the Seattle's in the middle of nowhere. Like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, well, one of the reasons why we, we were one of the like reasons Salt why Lake we moved to, to Nashville was that Seattle is out there in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's crazy, man. I mean, we yeah. were driving from uh, Salt Lake to Seattle. You, you know what I mean? Hours right there, uh, overnight. Yep. While like 
every all these other bands that we were you know opening for it, it, dude it was rough and we did that for a few years and, where, and that kind of let, let me ask you real quick where, where in seattle did you play do you remember Man, we played a few places. The, the the one really memorable show was at a place called the Showbox. Oh yeah, good for you. Uh, we did a showcase, that, and that that was a crazy show. I mean, because you know it was like a tooth and nail record showcase. I mean, there was tons of people there. One of our guitar, my guitar player Mark. I mean, he was just feeling it, I guess. And he takes his guitar, and I remember looking at it, and he throws it into the audience like at the end of the set, right? Because it was just yeah. like so rock and roll. And I remember looking at him and seeing the realization on his face that like, oh my God, we're poor. And that is my only guitar. And like, <laughs> why did I do that? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> and like jumping out to the audience to go get his guitar. Th that is a very memorable show <laughs> for sure. That's a great club to play. I, I, I've, it was I've been awesome. shows there, but I never, um, I never played there. I played Crocodile. I played Tractor, um, a bunch of other smaller places you know bought uh, that that weird coffee pot shaped building down in tacoma that's uh, oh yeah nevada at places i i i i miss tacoma and seattle dearly but that place is a dump <laughs> you know, with all due respect like that was one of that was that that that's about as bad as the lion's den on colfax in denver right like i mean you know, <laughs> and i don't think we've you know in denver i think we've only ever played maybe one or no, we played two clubs there, and I can't remember the name of either of them, but one of them we played had, like, cages in it. Uh, I, I remember, and I was like, oh, man, they must have, like, ra like goth raves or something like that here at some point. Uh, that, that's like the Blues Brothers, man, you know, setting up behind the chicken wire. You know? Yeah. Name from the TV show Rawhide. It was weird. The, the second time we played uh, in Denver, I fell off the stage. Uh, which was which was a great a great story yeah well, oh, wow all right so so you're out there on the road with these guys for 10 years it, it it runs its course um and it sounds like everybody left on good terms and you you know like everybody's just whooped right yeah yeah uh, we're all still still buddies that's great that's yeah. great i mean you guys have have great stories right like and 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 i hope you don't regret any of it I, I hope you don't regret any of it well you know i when we first split up i think i did go through a period of well yeah i'm, I'm getting like i'm gonna get super real with you here but like I, I went through this period of like dude who am i like I, I i've been in this band since i was like 16 17 like what am i supposed to do did i waste like all these years of my life so there was about there is a few year period of this like weird like uh identity crisis sort of thing yeah. uh but now i mean dude i don't regret it at all i've been there so man. proud of it i'm so happy that we did it I, I i've i've been there i know exactly what you mean i kind of walked away from it all at like 29 30 31 and, right? and i was around i was around that age and i actually yeah. was like i will never play music again like music broke my heart like yeah it, it, it broke my oh, heart dude i'm right there with you it's exactly the way i felt like i for me um a lot of it had to do with getting sober to be honest with you okay um, um i got i mean you can see by my hair how old i am Roughly, right? I'm 53. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've been sober a little over 20 years, and you look um, good, buddy. Well, thank you. <laughs> you look thank good. you, sir. I feel like a, 
I feel like a like a million Satoshis, right? Um, yeah, for me it was um, I I completely identify with you on that because I I, that's I had to get sober or else I would have been dead. Mm -hmm. um, and playing and it took me a while to understand the beauty of playing gigs sober versus being absolutely hammered or or high I, when I'm playing. Right? I get that. Yeah. Um, and I think now I've probably done more gigs sober than I ever than I did when I was high. Um, but the identity crisis that you speak of and like, God, what did I just do? What did I, I just spent X amount of time in my life doing this and it didn't work out. But you you really find yourself in those settings. You the, the travel is invaluable. The cultural experience of being a musician on the road, even if nobody knows you, is invaluable. Like you probably have a greater understanding of this country than most people do. Like I, I, I really and I don't mean this to be condescending, but I but I genuinely feel sorry for people who don't get an opportunity to travel around the country and just see how vast it is. And there's no better way of doing that than than being a musician. Oh, for and, sure. You know, yeah, I, I agree. And, yeah. and it's really it's nice to talk to somebody that, that understands it because, I, you know, I think people that don't dedicate I because mean, you give up everything for me. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, the relationships that were that were failed because I was gone all the time, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 you give up a lot to, to chase that, you, you know, and. If you don't do it, it's hard to understand it. Yeah, I, and I have no regrets. I mean, I never, you know, I got some mailbox money for a number of years, which I'm, and I'm sure you did too, being signed. Um, but I don't have any re regrets on it. Now you went, so after you um, were on the road with these guys for about 10 years, you went back and got your degree in advertising and, and, um, uh, production right or advertising and marketing? Yeah, advertising and design yeah okay yeah and by the way shout out to uh house of ivy.co like your wife is an amazing photographer Dude. holy cow Dude, she kicks ass she Holy's i mean she, she, she's one of the i mean i tell her all the time and i say it all the time she's one of the greatest like visual artists uh, of the t of our time and and we work really well together although it's funny because like you know we'll get into like huge arguments about like what font like you know like what font we need to use for this particular project god damn it i said a serif font yeah yeah i mean for real but like it, there's just something about when we work together man like things things really work out although all of her work solo is just like i mean th that's actually how how we got started talking um I did this project with Todd. Todd Turner, he was the second drummer for Far Less. He's a good buddy of mine. We did this electronic EP. And I reached out to Kristen because I wanted to purchase uh, this piece of work that she did for our cover. And man, that email, it, it like it ended up giving me a family. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like from that email, I got a wife and a kid yeah it's crazy oh uh, that's cool man that's that's really cool so all right so 10 years on the road then you go back you're going through the hole what did i do with my life you go back to school mm. and then all of a sudden the itch starts again right right and and while i was in school you know i 
I did an EP with this band out of Raleigh called uh, Civilian, and it kind of fell through. Um, basically, and and then you know I got back with a couple of the far less dudes, and we did about six songs under the name Planet of the Sun. Then COVID hit, and I couldn't go to Wilmington every other weekend to like track with them, and like, and honestly, yeah. like, I lost a, I lost a ton of like friends, man. Like, uh, you, you know, during the COVID thing, I, you know, I was pretty, like, I wasn't like, I wasn't rude or anything, but I was pretty vocal about how, like, hey, we're being bullshitted here about what's really going on. Like, I, like, come on, like, there's, 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 and I don't want to get too deep into it, but you know, like, the moment you're like, hey, the mainstream thing that we're being told is a lie. Hey, man most people agree with it and they they were not feeling me going against the grain you, you know what i mean and that that really put me in this position where i was like you know what instead of like you know like getting online and talking about statistics and the, i'm i'm just going to write an ep about how i feel and my experience and and that's kind of how i started yeah and that's how i started yeah so how so how did your thought process as a writer change now that you're you're you know you've you've taken time off from the road um you went back you got your degree you're you're married you got a kid what what did that do to your 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 process as a songwriter versus when you were you know in your early 20s on the road with far less how did that how, how were you different artistically Man, uh, uh, way different because you know one of the, the main thing I wanted to do is like I want to start a band that I can't get kicked out of. Like, <laughs> I, you, you know what I mean? Like, I want to start something that no matter who is involved, they can come and they can leave, but like I'm gonna do this. Yeah. And uh, and like with far less, like I would take ideas in, you know, like on the last record we did, far less did I wrote like three of the songs, which was like a huge deal. Cause before that, it'd just be a riff here and there that I would like, you know, I would help with. Uh, but with this, it was like, oh man, like I'm going to write everything, which was brand new to me. So I, I, I like, I hit the books. Like I, I literally studied, you know, all of the Fu Manchu records. Um, okay. I, I stuck, like, I, I knew I wanted to go in like a, gr like a grunge and like stoner rock, uh, like, you know, like that's where I wanted to go with this. So, you know, I sat down, I learned a ton of songs from bands that I absolutely love from the genre. And I did, I just went for it, which is yeah. totally different than what it was like back in far less back in far less. Yeah. Well, you know, and you brought up stoner rock and grunge yet. You know who you guys kind of remind me of is masters of reality. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Chris Goss's project. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, like we, if if you lived in LA or if you're on the West coast, we call it kind of like high desert rock. Like Chris mm -hmm. Goss is from, uh, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, Riverside area. Um, Josh, what's the name of Josh's band? Uh, uh, Homie? Yeah. Um, Queens of the Stone Age? Queens of the, duh, Queens of the Stone well, Age. And, and Caius? Eagles of Death Metal. Stuff. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like what you guys, what Iroh what reminds me of. Yeah, what, what, I love what, that, man. I mean, because like, I, I was like, I want to sound, I want to sound like Soundgarden, and Fu Manchu 
and Queens of the Stone Age. And I even want to bring in like little elements of like kind of like Mastodon or like you like, but I want to sing and not scream. Yeah, you, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, like I, yeah. I wanted it to be melodic and I wanted it to be like the stuff I grew up listening to. Well, I let me comment on two things. Like the the melody, and I wish I had my piano turned on. I, I don't have it turned on and running through here. But like, if, if you go back and listen to, um, I actually reviewed the ride or they ride, excuse me. On, I heard it, man. On on that. episode four of the review, and that melody, look into it, that little minor second. It's like that bastard. Like that's so clever. I love that. <laughs> I, I, I really that. appreciate that, man. When um, I heard that, you know, I mean, I was like, Philly, dude. I was like, you gotta hear this, man. This guy's like breaking down our song, and it just it makes us sound so cool. <laughs> yeah, it makes us sound like we we know what we're doing. Well, you sure as hell do, man. Because the like, and the other thing, like, I can sit here and I and I know, um, like, um, I don't know if it's Fever or Exile, but the one that that starts, um, the morning. Okay, yeah, yeah, the Fever. That. That melody just gets, and I love the way the song starts. I got freaking goosebumps, man. All star. You you said it was. It's an all star, right? Yeah, That's what it's you an all star. Yeah. And who who, for the love of all things holy, who came up with that organ part at the end of the guitar solo in Exile? <laughs> that was Billy, man. And, that and, is brilliant. And that was Billy's that is so idea damn too. good. And that and that chord progression that that he uses to come out of the guitar solo. Yeah. God damn, that's brilliant. That is dude, so cool. Billy, Billy's crazy creative, dude, and, he, and he's in like four bands, which makes it a, yeah. a little bit difficult sometimes to like <laughs> for scheduling. But I mean, he, the dude, just like bleeds songs. It, it's it's insane and, and ideas. But uh, we were in the studio, and Billy was like, "Man, it would be cool to put an organ here." And Jamie just like dialed up an organ sound, and Billy, I, and I, I've got it all recorded on video, like. The oh, three or four times he tried to just do it and like couldn't quite get it, you know, and he's like, damn it. And then like he nailed it, you know, like the fourth time that he played it or whatever. I'm going to use that song at, at the end of the show so okay, people can cool. hear it. Is that cool? And then I'll probably yeah, use put whatever it, you'd like right on. And then I'll put um, so that's exile and I'll use uh, fever at, at the beginning. Cool. OK, cool. Um, what what's the name? I Iro. What, what is it like? International reasoning of hospitality agents. What is it? <laughs> so uh, Uncle Iro is the character from uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, oh, the, the cartoon, okay. right? And he was like my right. favorite. He was like my favorite character in the show. And oh, now it, your Facebook. Now your Facebook makes sense because I look at that and I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> okay. Well, In Exile is the first song I wrote for the band, right? It's like okay. the first song I wrote that I was like, man, I think this could be a, like a, I could turn a whole like record into this kind of style. Uh, but lyrically, the song was originally about Avatar. Like, and, and so for like a week, I was like, man, I'm going to make an EP about, about Avatar. But, but, and I stepped away from it for just long enough to come up with like this whole other idea. So I changed like one line in the song and then it worked perfectly for the concept of the record that, you know, for the rest of the record. Mm -hmm. 
Because, you know, you know, if you listen to the album, there's, you know, there's all these uh, segues in between where, you know, because the, the album, it's like you're in a Dodge Demon listening to the radio during like a zombie apocalypse. And, and so in between all the songs, you've got all the different radio stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I actually, dude, I, I reached out to Alex Jones to see if he would actually like be like the seed man character in it uh of course i never heard from him so I, I had my friend gary who was the singer for this band swift from north carolina who were like just huge in this area man i mean they like if they got together today to play a show there'd be 800 people in the venue like I'm, yeah. I'm sure uh and he was like he can just do a voice that sounds like alex jones so it, it was perfect you, you know so I, I'm reading this. I, I think this is was from a, a bio I found online. Conceptually, the ride is a literal ride, like in a car, a 1972 Dodge Demon to be precise. All of the songs and the storyline parts are presented through this car radio. Listeners will join the main characters as they ride through the wastelands of southeastern USA, searching for signs of life and fighting the zombie hordes, all to an excellent soundtrack. You know, Brandon, could you come up with something a little more specific? That sounds like a yeah. That, that sounds like something you'd wake up from in the middle of the night, like, ah, oh, wait a second, I got an idea for an EP. It 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 it, it kind of happened like that. It, it kind of happened like that. Um, it it just fell. It all everything fell into place with the EP. It's it's pretty pretty wild how it worked out. Well, I, I, I'll say it again. I think the whole thing sounds fantastic, and I and I love the hooks. Um, just from a um, let let's talk gear a, a little bit. Um, like, are you tuned down in, in any of this? Was was this all standard? What, what, yeah. What so, it, uh, we're either in D, like a D standard, so like a okay. full step down, full step. Uh, and then some of the songs we are drop C, drop C. Uh huh. Ooh, meaty. Yeah. So, and, and which is a pain in the ass live because we play the record from start yeah. to finish live with all the segues. And so, about halfway through the show, we are tuning for every song. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I was, I'm kind of excited to get out of that. Yeah. So, for the listener it, who is not a guitar player, what he's talking about is like it, it, if you pick up a guitar, there's a, there's a standard tuning and the tension of the strings on the neck, the way the guitar is designed. Unless you're really strumming hard, you're not going to go out of tune that far. But what a lot of heavier sounding bands do is they will intentionally loosen the strings on their guitar to a lower key to give a heavier, a meatier sound, a darker sound. And what that does in a live setting, because the guitar isn't necessarily designed for that type of tension, in a live setting, you in between every song, you got to stop and fig and tune quickly, or else the whole thing just sounds like garbage. <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's hard. It it's hard. You know. Yeah, it's but a pain. It's, but it's a great trick, and and it's definitely a masters of reality trick. It's and it's not. A, I shouldn't use the word trick. It's a tool. It's a great tool. Right. Yeah. I mean, because you know those those lower tunings seem to just work better with my voice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I love the EQ separation between, um, you know, when, when bands do this, it really creates a nice EQ separation between the guitarist, the guitars, the bass, and the vocalist. Um, 
especially if if the vocalist like yourself um, has a really strong alto tone, like you know that that makes the job of the uh, uh, producer and uh, or you know the the engineer and the mastering engineer makes it a little bit easy, easier because they got more EQ to play with. So oh yeah, yeah. Um, so and by the way, send me a picture of your pedal board and I will use that as the chapter. Okay, yeah. Um, in sure. like, you know, Fountain or Podverse or whatever, right? So I'll, you know, so we can geek out about pedals. Oh, um, dude, I, I would, I love to geek out how, about gear, man. How big is your pedal board, by the way? You would be surprised at how small my pedal board Not is. really. Nice. So live, I use one pedal, dude, and it's a Whoa. three a 3-muff 14 made by Rude Tech, who is out of Nashville. Huh. And okay. it is just the best fuzz pedal I've ever used in my whole life. Uh, I've got a bunch of pe- dude. I have a bunch of pedals. I mean, don't get don't me wrong. All. I mean, I got a, I got a ton of pedals. Yeah. And when we record, I only use two. Uh, I, I use the the three muff, and then I blend that. Uh, you know, I'll double track using um, a four twenty fuzz from Fuzz Rocious, and uh, I'll blend those two. Yeah. Um, and the only other pedal I use, I used a Creepy Fingers, the Balch on in Exile. So the at the beginning of the song, like that yeah. fuzz, that's a Balch pedal. It, it it has been a lot of fun watching technology get better over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was, I I think you you've probably heard me say this. Like I I was in LA and um ninety five to 03, and I watched the transition of tape to pro tools i watched studios go down right yeah and i um and also at the same time it was like the dawn of digital amps right like oh yeah i had a line six that i toured with and and you know it had two 15s in it and it was piss loud you know and I loved, that. <laughs> I loved it right but the technology on those things has gotten so much better um is the the quality of the digital amps and the and the boards and everything has has gotten so much better now i'm still a, a big analog geek like i would i would prefer to record to tape and, and yeah i don't like I, i've got but you know like my jordan from far less and brandon who joined far less later he's a good friend of ours um those guys you know they'll use like digital stuff and they'll make it sound so good. And, and at this point, the stuff sounds basically like analog amps, but man, I, you yeah. cannot get me. You, you will have to pry analog gear from my cold dead hands. I, I, right. I, I don't want to learn the digital amps and stuff. Yeah. I, you I know what it. I mean? I, yeah. I don't want to learn that. It is fascinating. I've got a bunch of buddies who tour and they go out on the road you know, and that they go out with a guitar, a backpack, and their Kemper. I know, right? and, and it sounds great, and it sounds brilliant. And and <laughs> and and like the really ballsy ones, they they will get a one of those padded guitar cases that holds two guitars, mm-hmm. and they'll only put one guitar in there, and then they use the other half for all their clothes. Oh, that's a great idea! Right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Man, you're only going out with one guitar. Like, yeah, that'll break a lot of strings. But um the like the the Kemper, um even on the even for the bass, like I've got buddies who are touring big national things. I'm like, yeah, like using any amps on stage. He's like, 
No. You know, I, like this, I, this, I, this, I, this, this, one with one stinking board. I, I, I can't get over it. No, it is cool, man. And, and people can make it sound great. But there, th to me, there's nothing like the way and like a speaker cabinet feels and an amp feels like i don't know how to explain it and i'm not some i'm not a great guitar player I've, I've played for a long time or whatever but god i love it you know and now i've got an 86 jcm 800 mm. uh that i use through a, i got a mojo tone 212 cabinet that it's like dude at this i don't want any other any other gear I, like I, i've got my like my my dream rig it sounds exactly the way i want it to and that's that's what i use yeah it's not it's not what i recorded i had an orange rocker verb 50 this is what i recorded they ride with okay that makes sense um, yeah, that's nice. and and i loved it but the thing about it is that amp hated my fuzz pedals man like I, it huh. it hated them I, I when we recorded i actually had to run my fuzz pedals through like uh like the effects you know like uh loop uh, like on the amp j just so it wouldn't make these weird noises I, I don't know what it is about that orange but it it didn't like them um and billy used uh ac15 yeah and then did his double tracks with the 5150 <laughs> the oh really yeah interesting you know i'm not a i'm 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 i mean with all due respect to uh edward van halen rest in peace i am just not a fan of pvs man i just man i love the 5150s like uh the, really the, the it, first i mean it's, and it's like the tube tubes. right it, it's tube mm -hmm. oh yeah and yeah. and you know early soundgarden um they used a whatever was the precursor to the 5150 it was called something else but it was basically the same amp uh during like the bad motor finger era and stuff like that so yeah. uh I'm, I'm partial to you know and there are metal bands so many metal bands that grew up loving that played 5150s so yeah. th there's some that, and we don't own one i mean billy uses a live he uses a orange um what is it's one of those lunchbox amps oh they're yeah Little i can't remember which one it, like a, i can't remember which one it is though yeah um he Fair. uses he uses that and i use you know my marshall yeah uh, but yeah other than that i mean other than 5150 pv doesn't do it for me either man. <laughs> yeah. like, they just don't yeah just it's a little too tinny for me mm -hmm. all right let's let, let's get into value for value like how did you guys find or you how, how did you find wave lake how did you find value for value how'd you get into uh in, in into this whole world um i've been a no agenda listener since like episode one you know and <laughs> okay yeah for a long time and uh so i and I, adam curry was you know he, he'll always talk about I, I, he he brought up wave lake at one point on the show and you know what before that i had emailed him and i was you know just like hey man i wrote this record like check it out and he he said you know there's something coming there's something coming that you're going to be able to like upload your stuff. It's going to be totally value for value. And then we, you know, once wave Lake hit and he started talking about it, I, I, as soon as our record was done, I uploaded it to wave Lake. Uh, nice. Because I, you know, even being in far less, dude, you know, I'll get emails every, you know, 
month or whatever, like you've had, you know, X thousand listeners, you know, to your, your record on Spotify, you know, and then every quarter I'll get, you know, a direct deposit of like uh, a dollar, you know, <laughs> if I'm lucky, you know, and, and I was just like, man, this is dumb. Yeah. This is, this is stupid. Like it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, if, because there's so there's so much going on on Spotify anyways it's hard for people to find your music or or discover your band if they don't know it and then like the pace sucks yeah and and even i, I don't know man even with uh with with like something like wave lake i just i feel more heard if that makes sense <laughs> you, you know what i mean like yeah it, it, I, I feel like the music is actually getting to somebody. That interaction that you get is invaluable, you know, because, yeah. you know, you can log into your account and you can see what shows are boosting you, you mm -hmm. know, people digging your shit. You yeah. Know? I, I mean, it's such a great feeling, man. And, and, and Spotify and Apple and all that, like they don't, there's nothing about it makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, honestly, it just doesn't like, I'll, I'll log into Wave Lake, and you can see that people have boosted you know, your your music and stuff. And it's just like, man, all right, people are listening. People like people are hearing this. Yeah, yeah. And I and I I'm telling artists, I'm like, you know, don't um, you know, don't not put your stuff up on Spotify. Like you should. Like it, in many respects, it's a necessary evil. Right. Right. Um, but like, I love what Joe Martin did. Uh, Joe Martin's a Americana singer songwriter out of, um, uh, middle England. He's like two or three hours North of London and he's got a, he's got a beautiful voice. He's on, he's on a wave like, um, but he started dropping his new releases on, you know, into RSS seeds first. And oh, then, good idea. you know, so like next to, you know, with, with your next, uh, singles, um, you know, I mean, yes, I can find your music on on spotify i can find this whole ep on spotify but as a way to kind of capitalize on the market and drive some traffic maybe you think about hey you know what i'll i'll put it up in the rss feeds first and then you know one month later you'll you'll get well and man it's spotify it's the, the it's the, funny you, know, you mentioned file. that because I, I reached out you know on instagram to whoever like the way like instagram and i was like hey do you ever do any kind of like premieres or anything like that? Because I would love for our next single to be premiered that way. And you know, first. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they were like, well, you know, we can put it in like, you know, they, they do a newsletter. So they're like, we can talk about it on a newsletter or something like that. But like, it's cool. You mentioned that. Cause that, that's, that was already sort of floating around. Like I, I want to use value for value. Like, I want to try to drive some kind of like traffic that that direction, you know, yeah, it, like can expose people to what uh, to what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I firmly yeah. believe that that's that's the future, man. I yeah, I, I do too. Obviously, with I mean, we, we launched a new website this week to help bring in artists to to teach them about this and and to get more of them into this. And what I would say to you is get uh you know a, a, as much as we all hate social media it still is a good tool to promote and I, and i would get in um noster 
if I were you, because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of the Wave Lake crew in there. Um, uh-huh. You know, and and it's going to be you know, Noster is, is primarily the Bitcoin devs and the Noster devs. Uh, you know, talking back and forth, but there's not a lot of musicians in that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good opportunity for you to kind of promote the band. Number two, I think that the music aligns with uh, what a lot of the devs li- listen to. Like if, like just as somebody who promotes in that space, I see, you know, I'll, I'll put up a song or I'll put up, uh, you know, a notification of a song and I can see the response that it gets. But then when somebody puts up, hey, this is a heavier band or this is a metal, like people are like, <laughs> you know so, so i would look into noster i think it's a uh, more aligned um number two is i would um get active on twitter as well i hate to say it but i would get active on twitter and really tr- try to in- interact with the wave lake account things like that you know i mean we hate we hate social media in terms of the fact that it makes us content creators and, and we have to and it takes away from our art and it's as you know with your design degree being a content creator for uh, social media is is a very different skill set than being a songwriter. Oh yeah, um, but I I would uh, promote it there. I'd also look into Telegram too. Like there's some you know there's some Telegram groups um, that you know something that that could help. But um, and, and I agree with you. It's I mean it, it's the future now. This is like preseason baby. Like, mm-hmm. like oh I for mean, sure. This, this is so early. You know. And I had a conversation uh, yesterday with a gal here in Nashville. It's going to come out on Monday of this week. And we were actually talking about um, Ethereum and, and NFTs. Um, and she was saying the exact same thing about that side of the equation. Like, it's just so early, right? It's mm-hmm. just so early. Yeah. So, it, so it, well, you I'm, being a no agenda, so I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm really so happy that I could get involved in this, like, from, like, the start. Like, you know what I mean? From like the, the beginning of, you know, Wave Lake and the value for value. It's, uh, it's cool. It feels awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, like, like, you, like you're helping to like pioneer something that's like really going to change the, the industry. Yeah. Again, as it were. <laughs> like, yeah. And the direct relationship that you can have with the listeners with the you know if if a listener says oh my god i love they ride here's 3000 satoshis here's five well it's like what i would like to be able to do so you know if wave lake if if you if the devs are listening if my dude's name ben are out there listening uh i would love to be able to talk to people that are boosting our music like Somebody like I'll, I'll see that somebody's boosting, you know, boosted something on Wavelength and Wavelake, and they've got like a comment. And I would love to just be able to be like, "I love you, thank you so much for listening." Can't you go in and reply to their comments in Wavelake? I then if I can, then I, I'm, I'm just pretty sure I've, you I've can. missed it. I'm pretty sure you can. I I see Joe Martin do it. I see Ainsley Costello doing it. Really? Yeah. Here, let me pull it up here. I got, <laughs> I've got it like I've got it right here. Actually, I, I can, I'll do this after we talk. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, because like, you know, you, you can see where people are like, and I just want to be like, I love you. Thank you so much for listening to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you, know, you, you might have an older version of the app on your phone. Maybe um, so. But yeah, you know, Sam, Sam and Michael, they're, they're good dudes. You could reach out to them. I'm, 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 I, I you know, I'm, I'm not a dev, um, but, um, 
you know, they'll probably listen in and, and, and respond. But yeah, man, it like, you I'm such be. a boomer. I'm such a boomer when it comes to <laughs> technology. My wife like laughs at me all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm constantly handing her my phone. Like I, why is it doing this? Like I, 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 I don't damn it. I just want to watch Matlock. It's probably like something so simple that I've overlooked. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you being uh, a no agenda listener, it's obvious that like, you know, it didn't take you long to, to jump in on this. Right. Oh man, as soon I mean, as soon as our record was done, I was like, man, I'm putting this thing up on way late. Like I, I couldn't yeah. wait. Yeah. All right. Let's have some all right. Here, here's a couple of fun, fun questions. Okay. All right. Take a song like, all right, I'm gonna take They Ride. Who would you like to see cover this song, but they cannot be in the the grunge rock stoner rock genre oh wow <laughs> like here's an idea here's an idea and you're from the rap rock world a little bit right mm. like like Nicki minaj like what would that sound like it would be i'm sure that would be crazy it'd be epic <laughs> right so give I, me I mean, somebody if, who would you I like choose, to see I, outside of choose, the genre i would want some like phenomenal like singer pop star to do it. Like, I, you know what? I would like Adele to sing Day Ride. That's what I would like to hear. <laughs> just with her in the piano. Yeah, okay. somebody with some like just like crazy pipes. That's what I would like to hear. Ariana Grande. Just, just completely rewrite, rewrite the song. You know what I mean? Redo it. And let's just hear your version of it. Cool. All right. Best gig and worst gig. Best gig you ever had, worst gig you ever had. Okay. Um, you know, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, the best gig I ever had. Uh, I've had a lot of good gigs, man. Uh, you, you know, every show we ever played at the Avalon in Salt Lake was really good. Um, nice. Back in the day, I mean, it was like there was always like a thousand people there. Um they weren't there for us, but we got to play in front of a thousand people, which was super cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The worst gig ever. Uh, yeah, we played this place. I can't even remember what it was. I want to say Ohio, but I, I could be wrong. I, I was uh, smoking a lot of weed at that point. So <gasps> things get kind of blurry. Uh, but we, we, when we were doing DIY tours and far less, we, we played this place called Orange Street. And I remember the last time we played there, dude, there was like two people there. Mm -hmm. And and like we got the band, we got in this huge fight because it was just like we are just bleeding money, traveling, yeah. playing in front of nobody. Like what yeah. are we doing? Um, but, you, you know, uh, the most recent show we played in Blacksburg with Iroh, there was probably about 60 people there. And man, it's like some of the most fun I've had in my whole life. Like a dude, the crowd surfed. Nice. There was, a dude, there was a dude in the audience. He ate a cigarette. Like people were just like like wiling out. And I haven't seen anything like that since I was in my twenties. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Worst load in that 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 you can remember. Okay, Phil in Philly, we played this club. Can't remember the name of it, but it was like. Uh, I want to say it was like three flights of stairs up up to this club. Uh, 
easily the worst load in because our bass player Joseph had one of these bass cabinets. It was like like eight tins or like yeah, something. Yeah, you had a big Ampeg or something. Oh yes, and it was just such a pain, man. It like I'll never forget. I will never forget that load in. As a matter of fact, my worst load in was I. I it, it was. I don't know if it was Everett or uh, Bellingham, Bellingham, Washington. Um, you had to go down a brick flight of stairs to a landing and then do a 180 and then go up a stairs and then and get onto the stage. And I'm like, why in the hell don't you guys just knock a hole in the wall back here? That sounds right? terrible. <laughs> and to make matters worse, the day we got there and there was only two people at the show, somebody had defecated on the at the landing oh that's fantastic that that's, was fun that's great that was the worst load in uh the masquerade in atlanta was also not a fun load in i don't know if you're familiar with that i mean that's like a you know famous venue but you load everything onto like this elevator outside that takes it like up into you know the venue and then you know you got to go up into the venue and i never i never enjoyed that personally there's one in Tacoma. There's a there's a great set of clubs out um, on the on the West Coast, based out of Portland or Seattle, one of the two. They're called McMinimans, and what they've done, they're beautiful clubs. What these guys have done is they take old buildings, like old, literally old schools or the old Elks Lodge or whatever, and they completely refab it. But they do it honoring what the building was if it was an old school then this place is going to have a school theme if it was the elks lodge it's going to have the old ballroom from the 1920s right and um they are a microbrew and i hear their stuff is great and they are a hotel so they've got a whole series of venues uh, um on the west coast that um have beautiful stages great food great beer and it's a hotel it's called mcminimins they're fantastic they're great places to play great places to play in tacoma the spanish ballroom the load-in literally is like goodfellas like <laughs> you know like you like you're down on the ground floor and you go through the like i was wheeling my keyboard like through the kitchen and then i gotta go around a corner and then you go up the stairs and it, like it, it's a it's a really hard load-in but I, but I love it because, like, every time it's like it reminds me of uh, of Goodfellas and Ray Liotta. Like, I'm gonna yeah. come around, <laughs> I'm gonna kind of come around the corner and be like, every time you two, every time. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> wow, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Re really, re really appreciate the conversation. I think you know we've got a lot in common as far as you know being out in the road and burning out and wondering what the hell we were doing. Oh, dude, look, I would, I, I will talk to you anytime, man, like off, off the record, like whatever. I, I, I this was really, really enjoyable experience for me. My, my pleasure. I really my appreciate pleasure. I, I appreciate the love so much. I mean, cause you, starting over from scratch without, um, a label and without yeah. a lot of this, the buddies that would have been there to kind of help, it's been really difficult uh, for us, um, but I mean, it's a challenge that, like, I, I'm I'm down I'm down for, you know, and just yeah. I, thank you so much, man, for for playing our music and for talking about it. It, it, it means a lot, dude. Yeah, man, love it. And I, and I I mean, you're not that far away. I hope I hope I can come out and see you guys 
soon. And if oh, that's awesome. And you know, at, at, once we once we get off of here, man, I'm gonna I'll, I'll send you the the two songs that we just got we just got back the mix. Oh back. yeah, yeah. One of them's a, one of them's a CCR cover that we did. Oh really? What'd you cover? Uh, Sinister Purpose. Oh, nice and we choice. Made, and we we made it heavy, dude. <laughs> nice it choice. It, Thank it, you. Thank you for going deep into the B sides and not sticking to like what the the general public would. Uh, that's a would, that, would that was Billy thing. Billy Billy hit me up and he was like, man, because he lo- he loves CCR and he was just like, dude, lyrically this song it, it's like it go it could slide right into they ride, man. And I, and I was like, let's do it. Love it, love it. I look forward to hearing it. Well, we will wrap up this show with exile and uh again like all you listeners out there send these guys some sats man send brandon some sats and <laughs> uh, we'll uh we'll see you soon yeah man thank you so much hey you bet stick around we'll talk offline for a second awesome
Well, if that doesn't wake you up, I don't know what will. Hey, I, I wanted to share one more clip of this uh, conversation that I had with, uh, t- with him today. And this happened after we had uh, concluded the interview, but we were talking about value for value. And we were talking about how amazing this whole movement is and, and how valuable it is for musicians. So here he is again talking specifically about value for value. Check it out. And I, I try to talk about as much as I can, you know, to artists that, that will listen it, because, I, you know, you, you get so trapped into the, you, I mean, you just end up getting boxed into uh, the major platforms or that's it. It's just like some people only think of the internet as Facebook. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like music is Spotify. You know, people think yeah. like and it's just like, no, nah, no, nah, there's something way better, not only for you, but for the people making the music, too. And 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 that's the value for value model. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 the best thing for everyone involved. Well said, the Internet is not just Facebook. The music industry, God help us, is not just Spotify. And what Value for Value is doing for musicians is amazing. Not just musicians, but podcast hosts, even artists, authors. That direct exchange of value that is available because of Bitcoin and because of RSS feeds. It's fantastic stuff. And Noster too. So thank you guys very much for listening to the Phantom Power Artist Hour. It is Sunday, February 4th. Tomorrow, we are going to be talking uh, with an amazing artist here in town in Nashville who is primarily in the Ethereum and NFT space, and her name is Violetta Zeroni. She's going to be on the show tomorrow for the Business Hour. We got the uh, Music Hour coming up on Wednesday, and then on Friday, of course, is the Phantom Power Music Review. Cool? Questions? You can find us on Noster. You can find us on Telegram. You can find us on Twitter. And as always, smile for your mugshot. It's probably the best advice I could give you. See you guys. Bye.